This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum, and today we have another listener mail episode for you. Yes, because as always, you continue, listeners, to send us amazing, amazing letters that just build up, and we we've, we we want to read them all. And uh, I love, too, how so many of you listeners write in responding to other listener mail. That, I love that. <laughs> right. Oh, mm-hmm. I... I it it makes me wish that I had ever <laughs> built up a stronger social media presence like some of our uh brother and sister shows have done so that we could have like a like a real forum for y'all to hang out on. Maybe uh, maybe we'll work on that. That uh, yeah, I mean, we can have some goals. <laughs> we can have goals, Lauren. Goals are good to have. Sure. Yes, I will say this one isn't as dramatic as the last one because we don't have the storm happening. But who knows? Oh. It's supposed to storm. It could happen in the middle. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. That that whole uh, that whole uh, mm-hmm. hurricane thing is 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 kind of happening. So right, it could it could thunder at any moment. It could. It could. <laughs> and I think that you should kick this one off, Lauren. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, geez. All right. Well, uh, so Nathan wrote, So in your most recent listener mail episode, Lauren mentioned how she is afraid of deer. I want to warn you all, do not, and I repeat, do not come to St. Louis. We are overrun by them. Every day I look out of my back window, I see no less than five deer hanging around back there. 
When I go on my nightly walks, it's very common to see 35 deer hanging around in a large patch of common ground. It is totally crazy. And keep in mind, I live in West Country, just out of the city, not on some farm. We have so many, and they eat my plants, so I have to use anti-deer soaps. Ah! Anyways, all joking aside, y'all are always welcome here. (laughs) Don't you want to go, Lauren? Really uh, sold it to you. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'll say, I'll say that the emphasis there was mine. Um, uh, I think it was lightly implied, but man, that I would, if I left my house and there were 35 deer, (laughs) I wouldn't leave, I would never leave my house again. I would, that would be it. Well, it'd be good for quarantine for you. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You're right. See, silver, silver lining, silver deer lining. Oh, yes. No. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I too grew up in a place that had a lot of deer, but not that many. And uh, anti-deer no. soaps blows my mind. Oh, there's a lot of anti-deer products. Not that I've like researched it deeply. I, I have family who live in areas that have a lot of deer. And so they try to keep them off their plants. But mm. Um, I did want to put in another note here. This is sort of a random creative thing, but I wrote a story once where like the final apocalyptic battle took place in St. Louis. And I had to really research St. Louis. (laughs) And so Uh I know like a bunch of random weird facts about St. Louis, about like the big streets and the statues (laughs) and like the tourist attractions. All right. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny. It's it's funny when you haven't. I've been to St. Louis, but I was I didn't spend much time there. But I feel like I know it so well. <laughs> <laughs> but this deer thing, I didn't know. So oh. yeah, I might have to go back and edit. Yeah, totally. It's those those details are really what bring bring a story to life. I know. I know you appreciate that, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> um, Connor wrote. I love your show and I've listened since the beginning. I have also been a cheesemonger for the last five years, Ooh. seven years in total. Yeah, I know. I absolutely loathe blue cheese. Ah. It smells bad in a non-cheese way. It's sticky. It gets everywhere. <laughs> it makes you smell bad. Ugh. I will sometimes push past this once or twice a year for a teaspoonful of Roquefort. Gabrielle Coulet is my favorite import brand, but only the black foil one. It's gamey, sweet, and slightly funky without being overwhelming. Papillon is more widely available and edible. <laughs> I hope you get some for your next cheese giving, and you can have my share. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I will always gladly take cheese advice and suggestions. Oh, oh right? So gladly. Oh, that's fascinating. Yes. I, I'm pretty into humans who are into cheese enough that they take it on as a career. Oh, me too. Me too. Because I, I as people know, I'm very passionate about cheese. Um, but I have not become a cheesemonger yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, yeah, I love, like... I'm going to look out for these. I'm definitely, I loved Roquefort when I tried it, but I, I believe I had Papillon because that's the most common. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would love to try, try some of these others. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, I wonder, they, they have a really excellent um, cheese program over at Star Provisions. I wonder if they would carry it. Yes, yes. They have a cheesemonger over there. They do. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Star Provisions. I haven't been over there in a minute. Quarantine. Um, Alicia wrote, When listening to the Willy Wonka episode, I remembered that the actor that plays Charlie in the movie with Gene Wilder actually lives about an hour away from me. He became a veterinarian in upstate New York. And after listening to the peanut butter episode, I also have issues with peanut butter. When I was younger, I ate too much and developed a really terrible taste aversion to it. However, I found I can eat peanut butter, but it has to be Skippy Natural. In addition to this, I think I have found Annie a new best friend. One of my really good friends from college acapella is obsessed with Reese's. He makes posts and videos sharing his Reese's love with all. His name is Andrew. Uh, The Reese's guy is what he's known as, and he is from New Jersey. There have even been newspaper articles about him. Furthermore, I love hearing you both talk about history with the FDA, and I particularly get excited when y'all talk about Unilever. I'm a customs broker and do data entry for shipments of goods coming into the U.S. I have to make sure these goods comply with U.S. regulations, and since food is a large import, I have to be very familiar with FDA rules. It just so happens that Unilever is the biggest client for my office. It's really awesome to hear some of these things on the show. You never realize how interconnected everything can be. Okay, so I have several thoughts. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to unpack here, yes? Yes. Skippy Natural, yes. That is also Annie's brand, yeah. Yes, yes. So I am with you on there. (laughs) Also totally with you that I would be great friends with Reese's guy. I loved the article, Lauren. If you haven't looked at it, it's a thing of beauty. (laughs) I was blown away. Also, he's a fan of... Marvel, and he does a lot of, like, Marvel Reese's mashups that I don't think you can fully appreciate until you've seen them. Like, he does one where Loki is walking away and ignoring everything, and he's holding out a Reese's to the TV, and then he switches up the Reese's to a different one, and then Loki stops and looks at the Reese's. (laughs) (laughs) So it seems. Uh, Yeah, it's fantastic. And he seems like such a delightful person because he was entering this competition to to win, uh, like Reese's had launched a competition, biggest Reese's fan or something. And he, he was afraid he was going to lose because somebody had named their daughter, I believe, Reese's E. Cup. Oh, or, wow. Yeah. And he was like, well, it's not fair because I'm clearly the biggest Reese's fan, but I can't <laughs> compete with that. <laughs> But he did go on to win another competition, so congrats. Oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. Congratulations. That, yes. <laughs> that is so delightful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Vincenzo wrote, I just wanted to say I loved your episode on seed banks. As a plant breeding graduate student, these are hugely exciting and important to me. I love that you touched on two of the biggest, if not the biggest names in the history of the field, Nikolai Vavilov and tangentially Norman Borlaug by bringing up the Green Revolution. I'm sure you're busy constantly researching new topics, but there are some great books I've read about these topics that I'd recommend. About Vavilov is The Murder of Nikolai Vavilov by Peter Pringle, The Prophet and the Wizard by Charles C. Mann. And if you want a left-wing, anti-imperialist critique of the history of American plant breeding, I'd recommend First the Seed. Honestly, it could be interesting to do episodes on Vavilov and Borla since they were both focused on getting people enough food to eat. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, those were all, all of this stuff is stuff that as we were putting together that episode, I was like, I really, really, really want to read more about this right now, but <laughs> we have to go into the studio so soon. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, topic for a future date and time for, for sure. Yes. And I always love book recommendations. So, oh, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anthony wrote, I believe in your recent cast for Scallions, there was a wonderful listener who wrote in regarding her sourdough. I'm writing to submit my praise to her as we both worship in the same house of sourdough. Like many of us, I too have a sourdough culture, but I have the honor of saying my culture just had its ninth birthday and has traveled with me across the nation to my current home in Florida, and yes, I do feed it every night. For me, my starter was born in Boston, Massachusetts, and was very difficult to start. Using King Arthur's unbleached all-purpose flour, I was worried if my starter was a failure, but I left it alone for almost three weeks before it started to bubble. I fed it once a week, as I know from experience if there were no bubbles, then they are not eating the sugars from the flour. The bacteria needed more time to multiply, Uh, plus it was during New England winter. Once in a while, I poured off the liquid that laid on the surface. Once it took off, it was a few months before I learned its behavior, what it liked and disliked. My culture enjoys 75 degrees Fahrenheit or above temperatures mostly, and humidity doesn't bother it much as long as the feeding is uh, more of a paste than pourable. I've found that my feeding routine is best accomplished using two 32-ounce containers, you know, the ones you get uh, soup in from Chinese restaurants. I took two lids and punctured them all over to allow air. If we were to start a new feed, I would stir up the culture in its current container, then measure by weight 2.4 ounces of that into the second container. To that, I found 4 ounces of flour works well, along with 3.5 ounces of water. I stop short on water depending on the day's humidity. If it's high, then 3.5 ounces is usually enough. Drier days are around 4 to 4.2 ounces water by weight. This gives me a nice paste I mix together. I slap on a lid and stick it on the top of my fridge. The second container with the waste goes into the fridge. This is my disaster recovery, my backup. If the fed culture finds its demise, I know I have a perfect copy in the fridge that's ready to go. 24 hours later, the process repeats, with the backup culture getting rinsed out, and that container is used to host the new round of feeding. My method works very well for my culture, as about 12 to 14 hours in, it rises happily, leaving only a half inch or so left in the container before starting its drop back to its original volume. Sourdough is alive and part of the family. You need to know it, nurture it, and love it. There's something spiritual about the experience, and I hope it never stops. Oh, that's lovely. I adore this. Oh, I do too. Oh, it's so specific and so nice. Oh, heck. (laughs) Yes, I could listen to you listeners write in about your sourdough starter and how much care you put into it and how it's like a pet or part of the family forever. I love it. Yeah, just, uh, and, and right. Oh gosh. I, I love, I love when our hobbies become these bizarre science projects, um, Mm -hmm. that, that becomes so specific and, and that you have to garner all of this knowledge about it. It, it's good. It's good times. And then you get to eat bread. Gosh. And then you get to eat bread. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then you bake Mm -hmm. your pet and you make bread out of it. And it's so good. The pet gives back to you. Oh, it does. <laughs> also, the backup 
That's a good idea. Yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Corinne, or Corinne perhaps, wrote about our Girl Scout cookie episode. I was reminded of our Australian experience of Girl Guide biscuits. We don't have Girl Scouts. When I was in retail, I used to work for a lady who was high up in the local guides, and we would sell hundreds of boxes of cookies a year through our shop. As a bookshop, it was the only food item we sold all year. Customers and staff alike were bonkers for them. We only had two varieties, plain shortbread type and a variety covered in chocolate compound, which was actually pretty good, although presumably not enough cocoa to the actual chocolate. They also brought in a gluten-free variety of the plain shortbreads, and these were really tasty and much sought after and only done in limited numbers. We had to ration those to customers we knew needed gluten-free. Otherwise, regular eaters would snaffle the lot. (laughs) A decade later, my own daughter was in guides and also sold guide biscuits. The first year she did it, she went up our small suburban street in uniform and quickly sold her entire allocation in 20 minutes flat. Whoa. Whoa. One neighbor had also had a daughter in the guides and missed the biscuits when she left. This lady bought numerous packets. It was so much fun to see my daughter glow with pride at her success. She isn't in guides anymore, but her best friend is, so we still have a main line to these yummy treats that pop up only a few weeks a year. Can't wait for next year. <laughs> I love it. I love how popular these cookies are. Right? Right. Uh, and, and that is a tremendous success. Gosh, I, I feel like... I feel like most humans I know who are who are I don't, I don't know maybe maybe Girl Scouts is is more aggressive with their with their uh, numbers or something like that. But mm. uh, I feel like most of my friends who have kids who are in the Scouts are always like, "Will you please? Will you please just get some of these boxes of cookies out of my house, please? I need <laughs> I need yes. to not have this many boxes of cookies in my house." Yeah, I I agree, and I. I do love that in 20 minutes, all those cookies were gone. Um, (laughs) And I'm glad. It's nice to hear that your daughter felt so proud of it, as she should. I'm glad. Of course. I'm glad to hear that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that's, that's kind of the point, right? We love our cookies, man. We do. We do. Yes. Um, And we do have more listener mail for you. But first, we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. 
What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Megan wrote, I recently finished your episode on Yerba Mate and thought you might like to see pictures of my grandma's mate gourd. Yes, I think it must have been a souvenir from one of my grandma's trips to South America, since it says Argentina and our family is Chilean-American, so it's definitely not some kind of a family heirloom. Even though my family is Chilean, we never drank mate or had traditions around it, so it wasn't until I took a trip to Chile after college that I tried it. The host group that I went with held a mate criollo for us, um, a party where traditional foods and mate are served. And I discovered that I don't like mate, at least not unsweetened. Also, I can't remember in your meat pies episode if you talked about empanadas or not, uh, since I listened to that four months ago and never got around to writing in, but they are a huge part of my memories of my grandma. Chilean empanadas de pino are coveted in my family since they're very time-consuming to make and we have a very precise way to do it, so my grandma rarely made them when I was a kid. Whenever she did, she would bring over tons of freezer bags full of them so we would have enough to hold us over until the next time she felt like making some. They never lasted very long, no matter how we planned to ration them, though. The empanadas are filled with ground beef cooked with onion and raisins, uh, usually made the day before. Then one black olive is placed in the center of the meat— but only one olive, because more than that would be too overpowering. I think any is overpowering because I hate olives. Half of a hard-boiled egg is then sliced and fanned around the olive like sunbeams before the dough is folded over and the empanadas are baked. My dad has lots of stories of Grandma and her friends spending all day on weekends putting them together like a factory, an assembly line of delicious food preparation— Next, I was so shocked listening to the sauerkraut episode by the idea that there might be people in the U.S. who don't eat it. All of my ancestors, other than my Chilean grandma, are German immigrants, and basically everyone where I grew up in western Ohio has the same heritage. So sauerkraut has always been a part of my life, showing up on the table anytime there was pork chops or sausages to go with it. I even thought about making some a few years ago, after my mom impulse bought some crocs from the local Amish store, but didn't have the time. On the Food Banks podcast, another food podcast I listened to, A Taste of the Past, recently did an interview with Stephen Henderson, who wrote the book The 24-Hour Soup Kitchen on gastrophilanthropy. The interview was a really interesting look into the history of food kitchens and the many different ways communities around the world work to feed those in need. Between your episode and theirs, I learned so much about food banks. I loved the mention of the Aristocats during the Rockford episode. It was one of my favorite Disney movies when I was little, and I always wanted to make my own version of Creme de la Creme de la Edgar to see what was so special about it, other than the sleeping pills. <laughs> Have you done a fictional foods episode on Disney yet? I would love to hear about that, the gray stuff from Beauty and the Beast, Kronk's spinach puffs, and all of the other food in the background of Disney movies. 
<laughs> well, we have not, but uh, oh. uh, absolutely. We would oh, have to get yeah. Holly in on that, I think. Our coworker, Holly Fry, over at Stuff You Missed in History Class. Um, yeah. She's the one who alerted us to, <laughs> alerted at least Lauren to this aristocrat Rock 4 mentioned that a lot of you wrote in about and a lot of you shared, I believe it was Binging with Babish, did a video where they made this <laughs> creme de la creme a la Edgar. So, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> also, Lauren and I had, uh, we had the gray stuff at Disney yeah, World. Yeah, we had the gray stuff. It's delicious. Um, at, uh, <laughs> at, Bell's, at Bell's Castle, um, their, their dessert uh, lineup includes... The gray stuff. Um, it's kind of it's kind of like a little um, like a like a mousse or almost like a like a marshmallowy kind of like a cross between like a marshmallow cream and a mousse maybe. Yeah, it was really light and lovely. It was. Oh, I every that was a that was a very nice dinner. It was. Yeah, it was. Um, oh, so there were snails. Oh gosh. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, so. gosh. <laughs> yes. Yes. And now I am craving empanadas. So, oh, thank you. Yeah, Megan. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I am. Um, I I've had I've had friends uh, whose whose grandmas would bring over big old freezer bags of empanadas, and mm. it is so delightful. I've never had that particular kind before, uh, but oh gosh, oh gosh, indeed. Well, <laughs> <laughs> another craving to add to the list. Oh, they're continual. Yes. Uh, turnaround is fair play, though, so thank you. Yeah. Oh, gosh, always. Always give us cravings, please. Huh. Yes, please. Pedro, I recently got to the Peach episode, which was a bit of perfect timing as peaches were on sale last week. While listening to that episode and a couple more, I ended up making seven pounds of peach jam. Whoa. It turned out great, and I even sold a small jar to a friend. About a month ago, I was listening to the audiobook, The Cigarette, A Political History, and you'll never guess who showed up in it. Kellogg. Shakes fist. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> he said that smoking cigarettes was even worse for women because it dried up their lady parts. Oh. Not saying smoking is good for any genders, but the <laughs> pop-up from Kellogg made me laugh. Recently, I started to date my very sweet boyfriend, we were playing cards, and I started up your podcast for something to listen to. He was skeptical at first, as he didn't think he would enjoy a food podcast, but quickly changed his mind when he went into the history and cultural significance of what you were talking about. I think the bonus points came from all the puns. <laughs> and when Annie talked about her D&D characters... <laughs> But I knew he was into the show when we picked up food and were talking about the Monte Cristo sandwich and how it came about. I did find that it was started in the United States, but other than that, not much else. He said you should email your food podcast oh. about it. <laughs> Later today, I'll be making a quiche because my mom gave me two dozen eggs on top of the two dozen I had bought. Telling my boyfriend this, I found out he's never even heard of quiche, let alone had one. Naturally, I'm going to play that episode while he tries it. <laughs> Finally, if you need help with a Pokemon episode... I would gladly lend you my services. <laughs> I've been a fan of Pokemon since it first aired in the U.S. And as I've gotten older, the more I've enjoyed the lore around the Pokemon universe and also the puns that pop up with many of the Pokemon names. I'm going to give you a quick rundown of the Slowpoke tale. <laughs> 
Slowpoke is a pink Pokemon that, quote, resembles a cross between a salamander and a hippopotamus. And in the game, the villainous Team Rocket cuts off their tail and sells it as a food delicacy. Oh, no. This is sad for a multitude of reasons. But one is because without a tail, Slowpoke can't evolve into Slowbro. <laughs> Normally, a Slowpoke will chill with its tail in a body of water to fish for another Pokemon called Shelter. And eventually, a Shelter will clamp onto Slowpoke's tail, and together they will evolve into Slowbro. Allowing for Shelter to travel outside of water and for Slowpoke to become bipedal. But not to worry, there is also Slow King, where the Shelter attaches to the Slowpoke's head instead. I, this is really great. Um, <laughs> this is an emotional <laughs> roller coaster I, for the Slowpoke. Gosh, I feel like, I feel like maybe my friend. Cody was telling me about this Team Rocket eats the tail thing. Um, but I don't think I had put together exactly how sad that is. That that's really sad. Although Slow King is a really is a really cool uh <laughs> poke dude as well. So um <laughs> Well, Slow Bro is an excellent name, I have to say. <laughs> it makes me smile whether I want to or not. Um <laughs> Slow poke becomes slow, bro. I like that. Also, uh, yeah, uh, I hope I, when I was thinking back to the quiche episode, I remember that there was that weird gendering of quiche. So I'm yeah. interested in what your boyfriend thinks about that. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Give us a follow up. I'm curious about all of this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the Pokemon episode is coming. Enough it of is. you have written in. It's gonna happen it's definitely going to happen do not fear uh it is it is like a lot um yes. and and i i we 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 try to we try to kind of kind of space out the the pop culture episodes so it's not just mm-hmm. because left to our own devices annie and i would just do like nothing but that so we're like yes. okay let's not do entirely that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. on this <laughs> show today <laughs> we try I we think try. Buffy and the Simpsons were pretty close, but <laughs> <laughs> look, we look, we're all having a hard time. All right, <laughs> we're t- we're doing the best that we can. <laughs> Truth. Mm-hmm. As nerdy food podcasters, we are mm-hmm. doing we the are. best that we can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vivian wrote. Quarantine related. Quarantine has me bored and pondering, and I was wondering if you would consider doing an episode or two covering the history of cooking techniques. Specifically, I've been musing on baking and steaming, and why one or the other is more prevalent in certain cultures. As a Chinese-American, I grew up with steaming. To this day, my grandma reheats leftovers via steaming instead of microwaving. Conversely, we almost never touched the oven. Uh, Like the dishwasher, it was used for storage. It wasn't until college and I started exploring baking and roasting on my own that I really got to know the oven. This has led me to wonder about the extent to which steaming versus oven baking is used in cuisines across the world and how it became that way. Through the Great British Bake Off, I observed that steaming appears to be much more common for desserts in Britain than in America. And through a friend, I learned that the Dutch historically did not use ovens, uh, thus Dutch oven. It's a huge topic without, uh, as far as I can tell, extensive scholarship. And I know there are many nuances depending on local region and socioeconomic status, um, but I thought it would be an appropriate subject for Saver to tackle. 
I've thought about some hypotheses for why steaming is so common in China, while ovens are almost unknown to the average Chinese grandparent. In southern China, rice was the predominant grain, and that's a lot more amenable to boiling or steaming than baking. In general, Chinese people from agrarian areas eat smaller, uh, non-ruminant animals like poultry and pork, and rabbit, which Americans are totally missing out on. Uh, Beef and large game are traditionally rare, and even when I grew up, I didn't eat a lot of beef. Perhaps as a result, roasting, which I figure is closer to oven than stove, was less common. Ovens, in general, seem to be more energy-intensive than stove, and my impression from traveling China is that thick, dense woods are less common than in, say, Western Europe. A gastropod did a history of the oven that goes into this. I was really bored one day, and in an effort to feel productive, I dove into ProQuest, looking for material on the history of steaming globally and baking in China. I thought I'd share what I found on the off chance that you do end up podcasting about this. P.S., Out of curiosity, how long does it take you to research and write the typical episode? PPS, would you ever consider doing a savor fac or behind the scenes episode or FAQ, if that's how you choose to pronounce that? I've always pronounced (laughs) it fac. I understand that I am alone in this, but anyway. So I always said game facts, like the the website, but I say FAQ in every other circumstance. Really? Interesting. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, that's fascinating. I've never really given too much thought to it. Yeah. Um, steaming versus baking. But now that you point those things out, I've definitely noticed them in my life. Um, so yeah, for sure. Be curious to dig into that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And thank you for those links. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. You've done a lot of, you've given us a, a good starting point, which we appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as a typical episode, I think that varies wildly. Oh, yeah. On the topic, how much research goes into it. I would say 20 to 30 hours per. Oh, my. Oh, my gosh. Hoof. Yeah. Uh, I wow. read a lot of books. <laughs> you- <laughs> I actually have a post-it note because I, I got mad at myself because I'm like, I never read anymore. And then I stopped and thought about it for a second. I was like, you read all the time. Constantly, yeah. <laughs> so I started a post-it note of like how many books <laughs> I read for work. It's a lot, yeah. Wow. I'd, I'd say I'm I'm more like, oh, I, I feel terrible saying this now. I'd say I'm more like like six to eight hours solidly well, of, of research per episode. Um, but uh, but again, it depends. Yeah, know. yeah. And I think like I so much of what I research doesn't end up in these. So I think if I was better at being like, do you necessarily need to read this entire book on fishing? No, but I will. You are also a completionist. so I am absolutely a completionist. Yeah. I've gotten better, but I still catch myself being like, I won't go to bed until I've read these two books. And oh, like, my oh, gosh. My God, no, 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 no. Um. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I, I tend to be fairly choosy about what I actually read completely. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like I feel like especially the longer that I've been doing this, this kind of research for podcasting, um, like, within, like, I'll, like, I'll, like, read the first paragraph, and if I feel like it's, crap then I just close the tab and if I feel like right. it might not be crap then I like quickly scan the rest of the article and 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm frequently working for speed, though, because uh, I, I will also say you are a lot better at not procrastinating than I am. So you give yourself <laughs> a lot more time. <laughs> we balance each other out. Uh, I, that <laughs> is definitely a skill I would like and I, I am working on actively. Uh, on procrastinating? <laughs> well, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it's like, we'll choose a topic and within, you know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, so so as far as a behind-the-scenes fact or FAQ episode, yeah, yeah. I mean, perhaps one day we've definitely been banding about the idea of doing a bonus, not serious at all Saturday episode, maybe once in a while. So, yeah, yeah, maybe for we sure, can, can do that. Yeah, that would be that would be fun, and yeah, and uh, uh, I would love to. Y- y'all have heard them a little bit, but I I uh, always love getting uh, super producers Andrew and Dylan, uh, yeah, on here too, and uh, yeah, just just get a little bit more of an idea of of how how it's made. Um, mm-hmm. I will give you a very brief behind the scenes. Uh, finishing out this the, these two simple questions um, was actually relatively complicated because Gray Cat decided that he needed to be standing on my laptop mm-hmm. um, twice. Twice. Muted uh, muted Lauren once. Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> on the video screen. <laughs> yeah. He was like, unnecessary. No, you don't need to talk anymore, human. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So if you, if you hear any errant purring or like cat washing noises, that's because that's what is going on in my lap right now. Um. <laughs> That's true. This behind the scenes would be slightly different now than it would have been normally <laughs> if we were in studio. But <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I've never been interrupted by a cat while we were recording in a studio. No. Mm. There was that time that there were kittens yes. in the office. I was about to say there were kittens one time, but we yeah. were not interrupted. So. No. No. Yeah. We all stopped everything we were doing and went and played with the kids. <laughs> yes, but that was our own <laughs> that was yeah. our own issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Separate. Yes. So yeah, maybe one day we will do that. Um yeah. oh, but in the meantime, we have some we got in a lot of suggestions about what to do about <laughs> our apricot and vodka surpluses. <laughs> <laughs> But before we get into that, we're going to pause for one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. (laughs) 
give me museums. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, yes, in a recent episode, I can't remember exactly which one, um, Lauren and I, Lauren said that she had a surplus of apricots. And I, on the other hand, have a surplus of vodka. And uh-huh. we were trying to figure out what can we do with these things? Can we combine them somehow? Mm-hmm. And we asked for suggestions. And you listeners, as always, you did not disappoint. Oh, n- no, never. Never. And so we've got we've got a couple of suggestions in here people sent in. Anna Lynn wrote, when I have apricots, I really like to make apricot upside down cake. Just take mm. your favorite pineapple upside down cake and use apricot halves instead of the pineapple and cherries. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Asha wrote, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. So last year, I found a recipe for brandied peaches. You could do that with the vodka and apricots. Skin them, pit them or not, and preserve them in jars of the vodka. Oh. Mm. Okay. Okay. Rose wrote, on listening to one of the most recent episodes, Lauren mentioned you have a glut of apricots. Annie mentioned you have a lot of vodka. You did request from delivery. True. Jokingly, you two said something about combining them to make some kind of beverage. And well, you two are not wrong at all. And she sent a recipe. The recipe says you need one kilogram of apricot stem pieces and other debris removed, 1.8 liters of white alcohol like vodka, gin, or shochu, 300 grams of rock sugar. Rock sugar is key as it dissolves, slowly extracting the flavor of the fruit as it does so, and two lemons. You also need a big jar with a tight-fitting lid. Bring some water in a pot to a boil and quickly place your apricots in the water to sanitize them for about 30 seconds. You are not trying to cook the apricots. Remove from water, drain, and dry completely. While the apricots dry, cut the peels off of the lemon and remove most of the pith. Then slice into disc and remove any seeds you find. Now, layer the apricots, sugar, and lemon slices. Start with the apricots, then the lemons, then sugar. Once all the lemon, sugar, and apricots are in the jar, pour over the vodka or other alcohol. Fit the lid on tight and wait at least three months. Three months! Store it anywhere you like. The longer the anzushu sits, the better it gets. Be sure to label it, too. Yes. Uh, Bonus, you can eat the fruits still, and it is the best part. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's quite similar to the recipe that I used um, when I made uh, a sour orange wine, um, and Ooh. it was delicious. It was like that mm. waiting part was impossible, but um, but the result was delicious. Mm. Oh, 
Sounds good. She also shared a bonus recipe. If you replace the white alcohol with dark rum, you can make German rumtoff. Rumtoff means rum pot in German. Basically, you follow the same guidelines as above, but don't include the citrus fruit. Aside from the rum, the only other difference is that you can use a variety of fruits. Typically, a rum toff is started in the spring when fruit begins to ripen, and as the fruit ripens, you add some extra to the rum pot. As time goes on, you can take the older fruit out and eat it as a compote, ice cream, or cake topping. Ooh. Berries mm. and stone fruit are the best to use. Really, though, you can start a rum toff any time of the year. I also like to include warm spices like ginger to mine, clove, and cinnamon. I've had the same rum toff going for six years now. I always keep a little bit of leftover to start the new round next spring to deepen the flavor like a master sauce. Oh, wow. I've never yeah. heard of that, and I love it. I hadn't heard of it either. It sounds amazing. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh. So we have some oh. options. We have some options there, Lauren. <laughs> and more options yet. Aaron wrote, I can help you use up some of that excess vodka. Vodka is a fantastic deodorizer. No, really. Put vodka in a spray bottle and liberally spritz anything you either can't wash or don't have time to wash to get the stink out. This is a well-known theater trick for costumes and is thought to originate with the Russian ballet when they needed to quickly and easily deodorize the crotches and pits of tutus between shows. The alcohol kills odor-causing bacteria, evaporates quickly, and doesn't leave behind watermarks. A spray bottle full of vodka is really a household essential. We always keep a handle of the cheap stuff on hand for freshening up things like gym bags, sneakers, and dry clean only winter coats. It was an absolute lifesaver when my son spilled milk in the back seat of my car and didn't bother to tell me. A week later when I got in the car to go somewhere, there was a mystery smell that was so bad I had to drive with the windows down. It took me days to pinpoint the source of the stench, and when I tracked it down to the middle of the back seat, my son asked if he had forgotten to tell me that he spilled the milk. I tried in vain to use the carpet cleaner machine with an upholstery attachment several times over, but at that point, it was so baked into the fabric of the seat that I considered getting rid of the whole car. Then, what popped into my brain but good old vodka? I completely saturated the back seat with half a handle worth and left it to dry. Unfortunately, we had a series of rainy days, and it doesn't exactly dry fast in a closed-up damp space, so I was afraid to drive anywhere for a few days until the fumes were completely gone for fear that if I got pulled over for something innocuous like a burned-out taillight that I would have a heck of a time talking my way out of a sobriety test. When the vodka fumes eventually cleared, the car was once again fresh, and I didn't have to ditch it after all. Hooray! Anyway, spray vodka liberally to deodorize, but make sure there's enough ventilation so it actually dries quickly. Hope that helps use up some of your surplus. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, and I'm and I'm I'm always surprised when I don't I, that that's never the first thing that comes to my mind, but that's definitely a thing that like my my household being a theater household, yes, we always have a spray bottle of vodka around for various stuff. That's so interesting. Um, so I was talking about uh, my excess of vodka with a bunch of my friends, several of whom <laughs> are uh, nurses or teachers, and they sprung on it like, do you not realize how valuable that is when people can't get like hand sanitizer and clean? Oh, like, yeah. They were, they were like, oh my God, we can make this. They were so excited. <laughs> and it's just not, it wasn't the first thing that came to my mind either, but Yes. Uh, I suppose I could make a lot of things out of it that are not necessarily drinks or food. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the uh, the CDC has guidelines up for how to make your own hand sanitizer out of ethyl alcohol. So, yeah. Okay. Well, 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 well. I'm glad your car say <laughs> your car didn't go. Yeah. Go to waste because of spilled oh my milk. Goodness. Oh yeah. But man, old spilled milk smell really yeah. is something spectacular. Um, it is. It yeah. I've smelled it as well. And <laughs> I won't soon forget it. I thought a rat had died in my. Oh, no. <laughs> it was just old spilled milk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now uh-huh. I know. Vodka. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, and this this last one. Yes. So the listeners have been asking Lauren. They've got some questions yeah. about your snails. <laughs> They want to know what's going on with the snails. Uh, and Alicia, who we, we read her, the entirety of her message earlier, but she also included this in all caps. In what ways do aquatic snails behave in various degrees? What <laughs> does an aquatic snail do to misbehave? <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Um, the snails are doing okay. Um I can't, I, I believe I talked about the snail eggs. Did I talk about the snail yes, eggs I think so. on the show? Okay. Um, uh, well, if just in case I hadn't, or if anyone hasn't listened to that one, um, I have these two aquatic snails, uh, P. brigesii, I believe is the species name. Um, uh, gold, golden apple snails, they're sometimes called, um, although one isn't gold, one is purple. Uh, Noodle and Felix are, are the two snails name. Felix is the orange one. Uh, yeah, they, as it turns out, um, these snails are not hermaphroditic and, uh, they are one of each sex probably because a whole bunch of snail eggs showed up in the tank (laughs) at some point. Um, but none of them hatched. It turns out that I don't think any of them were viable or perhaps the, uh, tank environment did not stay moist enough for them. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But, uh, but at any rate, um, yeah, snails are doing just fine. Um, and (laughs) the snails themselves actually behave in all kinds of ways that I continually find surprising. My favorite thing, um, is when they are climbing up the glass or up one of the structures in the tank, and then they just suddenly push off and let go and release and just kind of slowly float down to the bottom of the tank. Um, like gliding, like like elegantly, like surfing, but their own body is the surfboard. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really fun. In the, the ways in which they misbehave, it's not really them per se, but like having, if if anyone has never had an aquarium, like as an adult that you actually had to really take care of, um, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. I just, I chose to have 20 gallons of water that I have to keep heated to like 79 degrees in my living room. Mm. Um, and the bacteria in the water has to, <laughs> has to be like a really thriving colony um, of good bacteria. So dealing with that can cause smells mm. sometimes mm-hmm. is what is what I meant by that. Um, Mm -hmm. although at this point I will say that said bacterial colony is doing an ACEs job because there is, um, no, no, uh, no, no mold at all on the, on the, uh, lid of the tank. Um, everything is, 
not too much algae bloom in the water, like enough to give the the snails something to to, to munch on and stuff. But uh, yeah, <laughs> very proud of my tank bacteria and the snails. Both are doing a great job. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. <laughs> and if you guys hear any meowing in the background, uh, like I said, that <laughs> mm-hmm. this is Sav, Sava is the gray cat's name, and he um uh if you're thinking why don't you just lock him out of your podcasting space. Um, that would be great. But the whole reason that he's my cat is that he was so insistent that he be in my space whenever he wants to, that eventually I just gave up and was like, well, I guess you're my cat now. So, (laughs) and if I lock him out, he just does this for hours. Mm -hmm. I'm allergic to cats and I sleep with a cat and I don't entirely know why aside from this. So it's delightful. And he's a jerk. (laughs) That's the cat way, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad the cats and snails situation <laughs> seems to be going well, or about as well as it can be going. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, they, they, they really are. They really are. Um, all of the above brings me an intense, continual pleasure. That is wonderful. Well... I'm always excited about updates on the snails, so just keep me posted. If you, if the odor becomes too much, maybe we can use some of the vodka. I don't know. Oh, uh, no. I don't think that would. <laughs> get the snails really drunk. No, oh, I mean outside. No. <laughs> oh, I don't want to tend your snails any harm, Lauren. I, I want to be a good aunt. I believe you. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, that does entail being the one that brings the vodka, but I won't. I won't share it. You can trust me. Okay. Good. Good. I don't think the snails want to be drunk. I don't. I don't think so either. From what I know about snails, it's not their speed. Hey. Hey. Well, um, (laughs) thank you for updating us, Lauren. Uh, Thank you to all the listeners who write in. We really do love. Yes reading and sharing your your letters and messages. And please, please, please keep those coming. Yeah. Um, you can email us at hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. 
Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island. It becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com.com slash compatibility.